Welcome to Behind the Smile with Ash Butters, a podcast designed to reveal the truth behind the masks we wear. Together, we look to demystify the human mind and its behaviours in relation to mental health, trauma and addiction. My name's Ash and I'll be your host as we uncover the real stories of people's pain and the steps they've taken to live a life of freedom in recovery. From sobriety to spirituality, join me each week as we uncover the reasons why people seek recovery and how their lives have changed by living one day at a time. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Smile. I hope you've all been keeping well. I myself just got back from a weekend away in Falls Creek, which is a ski resort in northeastern Victoria. Now, the last time I went skiing was actually back at the beginning of 2020 in January, and I spent two weeks in Jackson Hole in Wyoming. And on that trip, I had no idea that it would be my last overseas holiday for quite some time or that in less than a month's time, I would actually be checking myself into rehab. I was drinking every day at that time, but I'd become so used to feeling so crappy that it was almost just like my normal baseline, you know, waking up every day, foggy, hazy, tired, hungover, eating shitty food, not looking after myself, I didn't think that at the time there was anything I could really do to change that. And I'd almost just come to a place of acceptance that this is how life was going to look for me. And, you know, hindsight is an incredible thing. And over this recent weekend, I can't tell you the amount of times that I was struck with this overwhelming sense of gratitude for not only how much my life has changed since that last time that I was skiing, but how different I am as a person, not only physically, you know, um, I was able to ski with a lot more ease this time, uh, being a lot more physically fit, but also, and probably more importantly, I'm such a different person emotionally and spiritually as well. And the other cool thing uh, about this trip was that I went along with five of my sober friends. I never thought that I would be able to have fun in sobriety. It was one of the many lies that my disease told me when I was in that pre-contemplation stage, when I knew that I needed to do something, but the disease kept telling me that, you know, I wouldn't be able to have fun if I didn't drink. I wouldn't be able to hang out with my friends and, you know, all these lies, which basically your addiction tells you these lies because its number one job is to keep you drinking or using. If you stop drinking or using, the addiction dies. And so your mind is filled with all of these crazy ideas and these mistruths that you end up believing. And the weekend just showed me yet again that all of those lies were completely disproved. Um, You know, I no longer need to hold on to those justifications or rationalizations that I once had as to why I needed to drink. I've come to realize that this was all completely false. I have so much fun in sobriety today and I've been able to meet these incredible sober people who know how my mind works. You know, we share this commonality and we all see life through this completely different lens now, this one of recovery. And I've said before, it's almost like seeing life in colour for the first time. And it really was just 
such an incredible couple of days. So this brings me to the topic I want to discuss today, which is how do I know if I'm an alcoholic? Since releasing this podcast a few weeks ago, I've had a few people reach out to me and they've been really interested in understanding the disease concept around addiction, but also, you know, what makes somebody, uh, say, a heavy drinker versus an alcoholic? And so what I thought I would do is I would break this down into seven different signs that might suggest that you have a problem with drinking. But before I do, I wanted to come back to this term alcoholic. You know, it has such a negative stigma within our society today that many people are afraid to admit that they might have a problem. This is why addiction is referred to as the disease of denial, because it's the only disease that will try to convince you that you don't have it. And because of this, there's this huge number of people who are struggling with this disease of addiction, but they refuse to take an honest look at themselves because there's all of this fear surrounding that negative stigma. When I was still drinking, I didn't identify with what I thought an alcoholic was supposed to look like. And I've shared on this podcast before, you know, in my mind, I had assumed that an alcoholic was somebody living under a bridge who drank around the clock and was buying cheap spirits in a brown paper bag. And because I didn't identify with this stereotype, I would use that rationale to deny that I had a problem. And for some reason, the fact that I still had a job and that I only drunk, say, the top shelf vodka somehow allowed me to convince myself that I didn't qualify as an alcoholic. But since becoming sober, my understanding of alcohol addiction and alcohol misuse disorder has become so much more expansive. And I can now see in hindsight that there were so many signs along the way that would have indicated that my behaviour was one of a problem drinker or an alcoholic. And so today I'm going to talk you through my top seven signs that you might be an alcoholic or that you may have a problem with drinking. So let's kick it off with number one. Number one is you drink to blackout. Now, I used to think that this meant drinking until you passed out, which for me I did on countless occasions. In fact, by the end of my drinking, I wasn't able to drink without drinking to passing out. But in this context, when I talk about the term blackout, what I'm actually referring to is drinking to the point where you're still conscious, but you have no recollection of your actions or your behavior. So this often happens because alcohol interferes with our short-term memory. So drinking consistently over a period of time will actually cause you to have these black spots of memory throughout the night. And to make matters worse, this usually occurs when you've reached a level of intoxication that also impacts your inhibitions. So you end up acting out on certain behaviours that you otherwise wouldn't do sober. For me, I would often have these snippets of memory throughout the evening, but I wouldn't be able to piece together the full events of a night. And so I'd wake up with this heavy feeling in the pit of my stomach, which was later explained to me that this was guilt, shame and remorse. And I would wake up with these feelings of guilt, shame and remorse because I wasn't able to fully piece together what I'd done the night before, but I knew that I probably hadn't acted or maintained a level of integrity that I would if I had been sober. 
And then these feelings of guilt, shame and remorse are then multiplied when you're hungover because your body is experiencing a physical sickness as it tries to fight off the toxins left over from the alcohol. So you've got this mental overwhelm and this horrible guilt feeling coupled with the physical illness and the nausea being created by the detoxification process. So number two is that you try swapping your drinks to limit the effect of the alcohol. So have you ever thought to yourself, oh, champagne goes straight to my head, so I'll just stick to wine tonight. Or maybe you think, oh, spirits aren't good on an empty stomach, but I'll, I'll be okay if I drink beer instead. Now, these were two instances that played out in my mind on many occasions, but I want to share a newsflash with all of you. And this is something that really struck me when I came into recovery. And it was that people who don't have a problem managing their alcohol consumption don't need to set up control techniques. So the sheer fact that you're trying to control your drinking by putting in these limits suggests that you might have a problem. As an alcoholic, it used to baffle me when I'd see someone of an evening sit on two standard drinks and then just stop. Because whenever I had two drinks, it would set off in me this phenomenon of craving and I would be off. You know, they say in the rooms that one was too many and a hundred is never enough. And that was absolutely something that I could relate to. But for the average temperate drinker, their intention is never to get intoxicated. So it doesn't really matter what type of drink they're consuming because they will always intend on stopping before there's any of those negative side effects. Number three, you commit to a period of sobriety, but you can't stick to it. Okay, so this was a favourite of mine. Who can relate to signing up for some sort of sober challenge? Now, in Australia, we have things like Feb Fast or Dry July. And for me, I would willingly sign up to these different challenges. I would get people to donate money and support the cause that I was raising money for at that time only for me to get halfway through the month and throw in the towel because of a reason that I hadn't foreseen. Maybe it was, oh, I forgot I had that concert on at the end of the month or, you know, it's my friend's engagement party. I hadn't factored that in. You know, some of these challenges even give you like a free pass where you can drink for one night. (laughs) So I would have all the right intentions and all the right motives, but then when push came to shove, I couldn't actually stick to it. Now, if this is similar for you, it could simply suggest that maybe you have an aversion to commitment, but I believe that if when you truly make a commitment to abstain and you're unable to do so, it could suggest that you have a problem with alcohol. There's countless benefits to giving up alcohol for a short period of time, and I want to share some of those with you now. So after just one week, you'll notice that your sleep patterns start to drastically improve. I found that I was able to fall asleep a lot more quickly and that the quality of my sleep was a lot more restorative. And so I was waking up feeling less tired. Along with that, you'll start to notice that your cognitive function improves because you have that enhanced quality of sleep. 
So with an improved cognitive function, you find that your brain fires a lot more quickly and that your alertness is increased. And along with this, you often see an improvement in diet and as a result of that, your energy levels. Now, after two weeks off the booze, your stomach lining actually starts to repair and the acid production is stabilized. So for anybody that experiences reflux, you'll find that this is eliminated. The other great thing that starts to happen around the two-week mark is that people start to lose weight. And this is due to the fact that you don't have these additional calories that are being ingested through the consumption of alcohol on a daily basis. Now, after three weeks, you will start to experience major health benefits, which include the lowering of blood pressure, which in turn reduces your risk of heart problems and of stroke. And after just four weeks, you'll start to notice an improvement in your overall appearance, including the look of your skin, which will be a lot younger and more radiant as your body is able to maintain the appropriate moisture levels and the hydration within the body. Along with this, your liver function will begin to improve. Now, a lot of people know that alcohol damages the liver, but did you know that the liver is actually responsible for storing some of the most important vital minerals and vitamins within the body? So it's really beneficial to your overall health to have a healthy liver. So you can see the benefits of taking a break from booze far outweigh those of continuing to drink. And it's interesting that with this information and knowledge, we still struggle to give our bodies the well-deserved break that they need. And if this is the case for you, it could be a good time to ask yourself why. Number four, you can't guarantee your behaviour when you're drinking. So alcohol impacts our ability to make rational decisions and as a result, those of us that drink to excess often end up doing things that we regret later on. For me... I've lost count the number of times that I ended up in a strange place with strange people that I didn't know and I'd often be putting myself in danger. But this is what happened every time I drunk and it would never be my intention at the beginning of a night to end up in these places but all the while it would end up the same way. And the reason was when I put alcohol in my system – All I wanted to do was keep drinking, keep partying. And so I would surround myself with whoever else wanted to continue the party as well, even if these people were strangers to me. And, you know, earlier I mentioned blackouts and that whole idea of waking up with guilt, shame and remorse and this spiral. But the other interesting thing is that you can also experience this impending dread and doom when you wake up after knowing exactly what you've done. Often for me, I would be lying in bed the next morning scrolling through my phone and I'd see my bank account and I'd realise, you know, oh my God, I've done it again. I would have put my card behind the bar somewhere and spent way more money than I could afford. And then I'd be flooded with these feelings of regret and overwhelm, knowing that I'd have to face the consequences of my actions. These kind of behaviours were things that I would do constantly and it was this insanity that for some reason I thought next time would be different. Something else that occurs more often when alcohol is involved is infidelity and it's a known fact that people are more likely to cheat on their partner when they're intoxicated. 
people will often blame alcohol for their decisions and their behaviours. But the fact is that your inhibitions are lowered when you drink alcohol and that means that your judgment is also impaired. And so while a person might contemplate cheating on their partner while they're sober, they're a lot more likely to actually go through with this if they've been drinking. So this can have a really negative impact on relationships as a whole. The last thing I want to note on this is the removal of the consideration of our consequences that occurs when we drink alcohol. So whilst you might be a high-functioning, law-abiding citizen when you're sober, if you're an alcoholic, what often happens is you take alcohol and you change. You have this personality change and you do things that you otherwise would not normally have done. There's no regard for the consequences. There's no consideration for how our actions will harm others. And that includes the ones that we love most. Number five, some or all of your relationships are damaged as a result of your drinking. When I was in the grips of alcoholism, it was really hard for me to acknowledge that alcohol was actually the source of my problems. I was really good at blaming all of the externals, all of the people, places and things that were the problem, but it was never the alcohol, it was never me. And even though this was probably really obvious to everyone around me, I couldn't see the carnage that it was causing And I think deep down, if I'm to be honest, I didn't want to see it because if I acknowledged the chaos that was being created as a result of my drinking, then I would have to face up to the idea that maybe I couldn't have alcohol in my life. And this is just something that I wasn't able to accept for a really, really long time. Even on my way into rehab, I remember sitting on the edge of my bed with my sister-in-law the night before telling her that I was going in so that I could learn controlled drinking so that I would be able to manage the way I drank alcohol because I still wasn't able to accept that I would be moving into a life of abstinence. The idea of living life without alcohol was just way too scary for me at that time. So when my friends and family tried to suggest that I might have a problem with alcohol, I would take immense offence against this and I would choose to turn away from them and turn inward to alcohol. It was almost like alcohol became my best friend and everybody else was the enemy. Often as alcoholics, we romanticise alcohol and we subconsciously lean into it as though it were this friend, this idea of it being your best friend, you know, your confidant. And in this mind frame, this state, I could not possibly imagine a life without alcohol. But like I shared earlier at the top of the show, this was just one of the lies that the addiction or the disease was telling me. And I'm so happy to say that none of that has remained true for me. The idea that I couldn't have fun in sobriety is just not true. In fact, I have way more fun now. I experience life in its fullest nature and I experience pure joy and all of these emotions that I was numbed out on before. I couldn't tap into the highest highs and the lowest lows because I was always just numbing out on alcohol. And going back to this idea of you know blaming others for a moment, when I removed the alcohol... I suddenly realized that my life stopped burning to the ground and this was what then allowed me to realize that 
I was the creator of the carnage all along. Removing alcohol from my life has made me a more reliable friend, sister, daughter, and I'm able to show up more. I'm able to be accountable. If I say I'm going to be somewhere, then I'm there. And I know that people can count on me today. And this has all helped to repair the relationships that I damaged while I was in active addiction. Number six, you drink alone. So in the majority of Western cultures today, it's socially acceptable to drink alcohol. In fact, if you were to go to an event, say a wedding or a birthday, it would be actually quite unusual for alcohol not to be present. And for many of us, alcohol acts as a social lubricant. And when drunk responsibly, it can actually positively enhance an evening. But the issue arises when alcohol is abused and it's more likely that drinking alcohol will then negatively impact your night. So if we go back to this idea of alcohol being used as a social lubricant, which it it can do quite well, when you choose to drink alone, you're not actually drinking to enjoy the social lubrication because you're alone. Instead, you start to drink for effect. And whether that's to relax or unwind or switch off, the simple fact is that you're using a drug to shift your mental state and this can be a cause for concern. Often, it's when we start to do this that alcohol misuse will kick off. Uh, It can begin with the occasional glass of wine at home while you're cooking dinner. However, what starts to happen is your tolerance builds up and over time you start to require larger quantities to have the same effect that, say, one glass used to provide. And this is where the danger of leading into full alcohol dependency can occur. Number seven, drinking makes you sick. So most people have heard about alcohol poisoning and the seriousness of this. But you don't need to give yourself alcohol poisoning to still be making yourself quite unwell from alcohol abuse. In 2009, I spent nine months traveling around Europe. And in that time, I probably had less than five alcohol-free days, I think. Uh, And by about halfway through the trip, my body was so resistant to alcohol that I would actually throw up every single time I drank. Now, it didn't matter whether I'd had two drinks or 10 drinks. The moment my body registered that alcohol had re-entered my system, I would be physically sick. And this was a way of my body trying to remove the poison. I read a really amazing book uh, by William Porter called Alcohol Explained. And in this book, he explains that whether you're a a young drinker, somebody new to drinking or a seasoned drinker, the reason that you vomit is the same. And it is that the body has reached a point where the amount of alcohol in your system is at a level that is causing a serious threat to your life. So that the nausea receptors, which are usually anesthetized by alcohol, are triggered. It's almost like the system is has an override and your body will do anything to get the poison out of your body. Now, another way alcohol negatively impacts your health is also by increasing anxiety. So a lot of people will say that they have a drink because they're anxious, but what they're not realizing is that this is a perpetual cycle that they're in. So because alcohol is a depressant, 
When you ingest the substance, your brain sets off a signal to the rest of your body to actually produce more adrenaline to counteract the depressant. But what ends up happening is that the depressive effects of alcohol wear off and then you're left with this oversaturation of a stimulant in your body, which then becomes anxiety. So you take a drink to calm the anxiety, which then sets this cycle in motion. It's something that I experienced myself in the final stages of my addiction. I felt anxious all the time and I would use alcohol as a way of calming that anxiety, not knowing that I was just fueling more anxiety to come. And it was a really, really difficult, vicious cycle to get out of. It's something that I needed complete abstinence from alcohol to be able to break that cycle of anxiety that was being caused. So if any of this has resonated with you today, please know that there are a number of support services that you can reach out to. And I'll list a handful of those in the show notes along with an article that I've written on my website covering the points I've discussed today. And so the final thing I want to leave you with is this. And that's a knowing that you don't need to be an alcoholic or even a problem drinker to experience the benefits of giving up alcohol. Some of these include better sleep, improved mental health, and the one I love the most, a greater connection with others, which is something that you only experience when you allow yourself to live a life without mind-altering substances. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. You can head over to my Instagram or my website, ashbutters.com. Remembering that when we recover loudly, no one needs suffer in silence. I'll see you all next week. Bye for now.